episode 95 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on March 18th, 2019. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week, Game Update 5.10.2 is coming. I'll talk about Guild Heraldry and the new preview window. It all looks pretty good. Also this week, there's a new community coordinator at BioWare. I'll tell you all about him and what some of his plans are for Star Wars The Old Republic. Finally this week, BioWare is looking for feedback on ranked PvP. I'll tell you what they're focusing on and what you can do to provide feedback all later in the show. And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed and cue the moron. Welcome to episode 95 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another great show lined up for you today. I'm back from vacation, and I'm not going anywhere until Star Wars Celebration, which is only three weeks away. Huge shout-out to Swotorista, the hardest-working person in Swotor, who has organized an awesome set of events and swag for Star Wars Celebration. Hope to get her on the show to talk about everything that she's planned in Chicago because she's got a lot going on. Speaking of a lot going on, it's been a while since my last episode. That's the bad news. The good news is there are some things to talk about now, starting with Game Update 5.10.2, Heralds of Victory. Now, if you recall, when guild updates were announced for Jedi Under Siege, it was supposed to include guild heraldry, but it was tabled for a future update. Well, the future is now, and last week, Bioware heralded the arrival of guild heraldry. Did you really just say that? Indeed, I did, sir. So what is this new feature? Well, according to Bioware, each guild can create their own emblem to represent them throughout the game. Between the combination of icons, background details, and variety of colors, guilds will be able to create something truly unique. A guild's emblem will be displayed in the general guild window, on Conquest planetary leaderboards, and many other places. Bioware hasn't released any other details yet. They did post an image of the UI, and it looks pretty basic. Don't expect to be able to create your own artwork. You're going to be limited to a list of icons and symbols. Fortunately for Brian and Chuck of Bad Feeling Podcast, the closest they'll come to having a phallic symbol for their logo is probably a lightsaber. Now, in addition to Guild Heraldry, there are some quality of life improvements coming to the in-game preview window. Characters are now displayed on mounts instead of to the side. There is a new animation button. Unlocks like emotes, moods, and rest and recharge abilities are now able to be previewed. Visual effects are better displayed. And the window will now have a panel showing what combination of gear is currently being shown. I'm a big fan of quality of life changes, and not only do these sound good, but they are good. That's right, you can now preview the new preview window on the PTS. 
Did you really just... Yes, I did. I did have a chance to check it out, and so far, it's as good as advertised. The first thing I was curious about is whether or not you could see blaster bolt colors in the window when you preview a crystal, and you sure can. Seeing your characters riding the mount is nice, and if the mount has a flourish, you can preview that as well. The emotes and regen previews are nice, and I'm likely to spend more time than is healthy checking out these items from the collections window. If BioWare's goal was to get players to purchase more emotes and regen items, the new preview window might just do the trick. The one thing it doesn't do yet is include sounds. And I say yet because this is the first iteration on the PTS, and things have been known to change. I think sounds, especially for weapons, would be awesome, and it'd be nice to see all of this in-game and not have to go out to YouTube to see these things in action, or, as is usually the case, you purchase a weapon or mount and then are disappointed by how it sounds or plays out visually. I spent a lot of time in the preview window, so I'm excited for these changes. Bioware said they'll have some additional articles on these features in the coming weeks. As far as when this will all go live, Bioware said it's coming in April 2019, which probably means after Star Wars Celebration. So there you have it, Game Update 5.10.2, Heralds of Victory, coming next month. Game Update 5.10.2 is only the second major update planned for Star Wars The Old Republic this year. Believe it or not, by this time last year, we also only had two major updates to the game, 5.7 Legacy of the Creators and 5.8 Command Authority. Granted that 5.7 and 5.8 were live at this point, give or take, and 5.10.2 is pending. Still though, by the time 5.10.2 is out the door, SWOTOR 2019 will be caught up to SWOTOR 2018 in terms of releases. I've said before that despite the lack of content so far in 2019, this is still poised to be a giant year for the Old Republic. In fact, someone asked Charles Boyd on Twitter if there was any story coming in 5.10.2, and he replied, Not in that update, but you won't have to wait long to hear about the next story releases can't say any more yet. And he went on further to say, I feel comfortable confirming that we will both announce and release new story stuff in 2019. I think it's safe to say the game is in a dry spell right now, but hopefully that's because all heads are down and focused on getting us a new expansion. We'll obviously know more at Star Wars Celebration. Now Charles didn't just talk about the game on Twitter this past week, he also hit up the forums to answer a few random questions. Player asked about the many faces of Lana Benico. I believe she's had four different looks in-game, original Shadow of Revan, then Knights of the Fallen Empire, and again in Knights of the Eternal Throne, and again more recently. Charles responded by saying, I don't recall any new face being added between Knights of the Fallen Empire and Knights of the Eternal Throne, but it's possible someone went in and touched up the textures a bit, and I've just forgotten. As others have mentioned, the transition from the first to the second was to show the passage of time. Lana is the first character you see when you're pulled out of Carbonite, so having her visibly different helps to convey that a lot has happened. 
As for the final face, y'all already know it's to make her customizable, but I'll give a bit more detail there. Knights of the Fallen Empire and Knights of the Eternal Throne Lana wasn't constructed the way our player characters in most NPCs are made. She was a totally custom model like Arkin, Valen, Valkorian, etc. Customizable, customizable characters have different technical requirements and limitations, so in order to make her customizable, a new version of her head had to be made. Those technical differences are the main reasons she looks a bit different in that version. A great explanation on Lana's changing looks. Just remember, it's what on, it's what's on the inside that counts. And speaking of more inside information, someone asked why there are no male Jedi companions. Charles said, I agree, this is a pretty odd oversight of the core game. I'm not sure when we'll add another romanceable companion. Want to finish getting old story companions back before we add any new story ones. But I will keep this desire in mind when we get there. And the key thing here is romanceable companion. In other words, human looking. We do have Choza Robot, the Athorian, and Gus Tuno. By the way, I love it when Charles hits the forums. He always has some interesting behind-the-scenes tidbits. I love that stuff and wish he would post more. Maybe Daniel Steed can convince him to be a little bit more active there. If you're wondering who is this Daniel Steed, well, he's the community coordinator for Star Wars The Old Republic. That's right, everyone. Eric Musco now has a Padawan, and his name is Daniel Steed. He must be doing pretty well, as after a month at BioWare, Eric allowed him to post on the forums. So what exactly does Daniel do? Well, according to Mr. Steed, Primarily, I handle everything involved with the articles that we create. This covers the whole process from start to finish. On top of this, I handle all the social posts across Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, as well as the game launcher itself. So far, so good with social media. I couldn't help but notice that episode 94 was retweeted by the official SWOTOR Twitter account. Not that I'm counting, but I believe this is the third time they've actually done that. I suspect that I have Mr. Steed to thank for that. I'll, of course, be watching to see what happens with this episode. Now, although we just started posting recently, Daniel has been lurking about the forums, reading all of our feedback. Daniel said, There's a lot that can be approved upon, and I'm working on fixing some of these issues. Going forward, whenever there's a new article or news update, I will also create a thread in the relevant forum to spread the word of whatever the subject is, as well as prompt a discussion about it. For example, later this week, we will be announcing the specific details involving our community cantina event happening around Star Wars Celebration in Chicago. At the same time as I publish the article to the site, I will then create a thread highlighting it. Daniel went on to say, Throughout March, we will announce that what will be involved with Game Update 5.10.2 between game features and technical updates. I've also been working with Charles on something we'd like to bring back, which are short stories. Now, since a lot goes into the making of these, it's hard to pinpoint when the first one will be published, but it's a safe bet to say it will be sometime this spring. Daniel also addressed the roadmap, or rather lack thereof. While a producer's roadmap is still not forthcoming, Daniel said he would like to build a web content roadmap. He said that roadmap will list all of the planned articles, including update announcements. These wouldn't have a hard date, but they would all be narrowed down to approximate months. For example, the game update 5.10.2 news would be listed as coming in the first half of March in a model like this. 
I've been working a lot behind the scenes to lay down the groundwork for the upcoming year, and the fruits of all that will start to bear in the upcoming months. Hopefully this post has been able to shed some light on the path we're taking with 2019. One last thing that Daniel mentioned that was of particular interest to me was the influencer program. He said, folding the influencers and their content into the community feed is something that I've started looking into. Hopefully I'll be able to get some real progress on that front soon. I think getting the influencers content some more visibility is a great idea. And if Bioware is listening, might I suggest including content from potential influencers as well. There are a lot of people out there producing content and organizing events in-game who should be recognized. And not everyone who creates content for Star Wars The Old Republic wants to be an influencer. Well, welcome to The Old Republic, Daniel. We will watch your career with great interest. Season 11 of Ranked PvP is currently underway. Now, I don't do Ranked PvP, so I'm not that attuned to the ins and outs of what goes into participating in an individual season. One issue that seems to plague every season, though, is win trading. Bioware has always attempted to catch and punish those who cheat, but with the latest season, they are looking to put even more emphasis on stopping those who are looking to subvert the system. Mike Bradley, one of the game's live producers, reached out on the forums to address this very subject. Now, in case you don't know what win trading is, it occurs when someone engages in the following activities. Conspiring with others to intentionally trade wins and losses, queuing with bots to boost rating earned per win, or using multiple accounts to control the outcomes of individual matches. According to Mike, not only is Bioware always on the lookout for bad guys, they are also constantly evaluating and improving their existing methods for catching players who cheat. As part of Bioware's efforts to improve things, Mike said that he will be spearheading a number of different efforts in Season 11 to more effectively gather feedback from players, educate the broader team on the nuances of exploitive behavior, catch those who attempt to abuse the system, ensure they are held accountable for their actions, and report back here with as much relevant information as he can provide. Now, in addition to finding better ways to combat win trading, Mike is also looking at ways to improve the ranked PvP system in general, and he's seeking feedback from those of you who participate in ranked PvP. Specifically, Mike said that he's looking for feedback regarding changing rating distribution to better encourage prolonged honest play throughout the season, reduce or eliminate mechanics that incentivize exploitive behavior, and make matchmaking feel more balanced. Mike also provided some ideas that his team is considering to satisfy those goals, and they include reducing both the rating gained from a win and removed from a loss, adding minimum requirements for games played to achieve each rank, adding a rating decay over time, and adjusting the matchmaking system to better better prevent large class imbalances between teams. Now, if any of these things are concerning to you, I encourage you to head to the forums and post your feedback in the thread that Mike created. Nothing is set in stone, and Mike said that these are early steps in an effort to build a broad consensus towards as many of these ideas as make sense to potentially pursue. Depending on what we discuss here, 
Follow-up conversations will need to be had with our dev team to figure out exactly how much time each of the ideas would take to implement. With that information, we'd need to find them a place on our schedule. Fair warning, this is not necessarily a short process. Even if some of the ideas prove to be low-hanging fruit, if you will, Mike said, we understand that there are obvious sensitivities to changing the rules of the game in a season that is already underway. For that reason, and the logistical hurdles mentioned above, I cannot promise that any of these changes will go live in Season 11. So if you are passionate about ranked PvP, BioWare wants to hear from you. And again, I must encourage you to head over to the forums and check out the threads that Mike created. Now, win trading isn't the only thing that was affecting PvP negatively. BioWare recently patched an exploit that would allow a player for a brief period of time, 10 to 15 minutes, to be completely invulnerable to damage in most gameplay, even a ranked war zone. That's been fixed. And so have a few other issues affecting companions. Companions will no longer show up more than once in the companions and contacts list after using the autocomplete functions when beginning Knights of the Fallen Empire, Knights of the Eternal Throne, or Jedi under siege. Players who are already in this state have had the duplicates removed. Sith warriors who have Vet as an active companion will no longer experience intermittent game freezing. Companion whose influence level disappeared have been restored to their correct influence level. Issues with companions becoming unsummonable have been corrected. And finally, the world bosses on Osis will now really award proper kill credit for flesh and steel and masterwork data crystal missions. My last topic for today has to do with the maps that pop up in PvP. Players were complaining that hutballs seemed to pop up a lot more than some of the other war zones. Eric Musco took to the forums and explained how this all works. According to Eric, this is pretty simple on the surface. When a player or players queues for an unranked war zone, the matchmaker does two things. And he said, I am only talking about map selection here, not about what the matchmaker does to work towards even teams. First... Looking at what matches are currently active and the number of players in the queue, the matchmaker decides whether it will pop an arena or a war zone. Next, the matchmaker then rolls in that game type pool for which map it will pop. All maps have the exact same weighting. This means that Hutball and 3-Point Control both have the highest odds of being selected since they each have three maps respectively. Novari. Novare could be argued that it is separate from Yavin slash Alderaan, though. But ultimately, each individual map has the exact same chance of rolling here. So even though Hutball is on par with the, war, with the other war zones, Eric was amenable to discuss ways that things could be improved. Allowing players to select which war zone they want to play is a possibility, but it does raise concerns about impacts to queue times. Allowing players to exclude certain war zones is another possibility, but it's also a pretty big lift and would need to be part of a larger systemic update. Another possibility is to modify the weighting for individual maps and or game types. My personal suggestion is if players don't like seeing Hutball pop up, then stop making Hutball war zones and make more control point or other types of war zones and get them out there so eventually Hutball crumbles under the weighting of the other game types.
final note for today, BioWare announced details for their Star Wars Celebration Cantina. It will be held Saturday, April 13th from 7 to 11 p.m. Central Time in the Grand Ballroom of the Marriott Marquis in Chicago. I'll be there, and if you're going to be there, be sure to find me and say hello. And that's the State of the Old Republic for today. Let me cut on the sublight engines and cue the music and congratulate you on surviving, let's say, a half hour, maybe hit pause for a bit, listening to episode 95 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show's site, which is SotoRPodcast.com, and there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at SotoRPodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at SotoRPodcast or send me a direct message, and be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the link to show for episode 96 next week till then remember the sith code cake is alive